So I guess I get to talk to you for the next little bit. And I got something that I feel like the Lord's given me. We're going to be going to Ephesians 3. So let's head there. Uh, we're going to be talking from Ephesians, and I want you to understand that Paul is writing this letter, and we're going to get into what it's about, but um, the, the apostle of grace, as Paul describes himself, is, is talking about the gospel of grace, being spoken to him through the spirit of grace. And he decides to finally, in Ephesians 3, write an entire chapter explaining, or trying to explain, the mystery or the ultimate plan of grace. So I don't know about you, but when the apostle of grace is speaking about the word of grace through the spirit of grace and writes a chapter on the mystery of grace, I think we should pay attention. That's a lot of grace going on there, right? So he kind of, in this chapter, tries to make a definitive statement for what the ultimate plan, the ultimate uh, fulfilled mystery of grace is. We're going to learn what that is together. Let's, let's run right into it. We're going to get all the way through the chapter. So help me God. All right? For this reason, because I preach that you and believing Jews are joint heirs, I, Paul, am the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you, of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was entrusted to me to share with you for your benefit. Paul believes that he has uh, not just received a revelation of grace, but he's received a mandate from God to steward that that understanding, that revelation. Verse 3, And that by divine revelation the mystery was made known to me, as I have already written in brief. By referring to this, when you read it, if you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Now what he's saying is he's saying, I've already begun to allude to it, and if you read his letters that came before this, you'll realize that Paul had written a verse here or there about this idea, but he's saying, I finally am sitting down to write you an entire chapter. Um, And he realizes as we read the text that he can't necessarily begin to do it justice, but he wants to ultimately tell these folks about this this thing, this revelation that, that, that has been poured out to him that he carries from village to village, from island to island, from town to town. Verse five which in other generations was not disclosed to mankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. It is this, that the Gentiles are now joint heirs with the Jews and the members of the same body and joint partakers sharing in the same divine promise in Christ Jesus through their faith in the good news of salvation. He's saying, listen, there there is no longer separation between the inheritance or the promise of the Jews and Gentiles. And he says this, and and I have a question for you. It's kind of a side note. You get this for free. It's bonus content. But I have a question for you. What is it that you're investing your faith in? And probably a better question is, what would the people around you say if I asked them what you're investing your faith in? Because the Bible says that each of us have been given a measure of faith. So I want you to think about this. Heaven has given you a portfolio of faith. What are you investing it in? In other words, when you sit down and decide for yourself and for everybody else what it looks like for what you believe in, what is it that you're placing your trust in? What are you believing without seeing 
or necessarily feeling or having it practically in your hands. What are you placing your faith in? Because here it says that in Christ Jesus, we should be placing our faith in good news. Listen, the number one thing that people outside of the church want to know about you before they ever begin to decide if they're actually going to step in the church is what you invest your faith in. If you invest your faith in gloom and doom, if you invest your faith in correcting the theology and the morality of the world around you, if you think it's your, that it's your, your duty to go to the office party and be the police and quote scripture about why you're not partaking in what they're partaking, standing up and all that nonsense that we do, are you really investing your faith in good news? Are you investing your faith in a set of laws and rules that show really how ultimately condemned we feel ourselves? Are we projecting to the world around us what we want them to know about him? Sometimes it's not what you say to somebody else. Sometimes it's the way you handle yourself. Sometimes people are watching to see, oh, he messed up. What's he going to do? Does he really believe that the gospel is good news? Does he really believe that God's love is available to him and the price has been paid? That's bonus content. You're welcome. Verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister by the gift of God's grace given to me. Notice it's a gift. Through the working of his power, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, God's people, this grace which is undeserved was graciously given to proclaim to the Gentiles the good news of the incomprehensible riches of Christ, that spiritual wealth which no one can fully understand. He's saying, listen, I, 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 you look at Paul here and you've got to ask yourself, is he, is he self-deprecating? Is he, is he, just, is he doing the, like, the fake Christian humble thing? You know, people, I love when people tell me they're humble. It's like, I'm very humble. <laughs> Are you? How humble? Like, the most humble. <laughs> when you look up humble in the dictionary, you're going to see my face. Very humble. Okay. You think very highly of your humbleness. <laughs> is, is that what's going on here? Is, is, is Paul actually being like, I, the least of these? No. He was. Paul had an accurate assessment of himself. I want you to think about this. God looked across the expanses of the universe and he found a man. Let me describe this to you for a moment. He found a man who, even at this stage in his life, was seen as an outcast because he self-described as the apostle to the Gentiles. He, the entire culture, government, religious system, everything that was being run was being run by the Jewish people. And this guy says, I've been called to be an apostle to the ones that you've hated and you've rejected and you won't go to the same school with and you won't let your kids marry, the unclean, the filthy Gentile. God's called me as an apostle to them. So all the other apostles that were called to the Jews looked at Paul like, Apostle to the Gentiles? What is he thinking? But it goes much deeper than that. So not only was he not respected as an apostle because of who his audience was, the guy was a murderer. I want you to see this for a moment. 
The sufficiency of God's grace is so overwhelming and so mind-blowing that the vehicle that he decided to deliver the revelation of grace through was a murderer. That's how sufficient and overwhelming his grace is. He delivers the revelation of his grace through a murderer. Come on, come on, people. You ought to hear me out. He even in, in its delivery system, God's grace is speaking stuff we can't even begin to understand. The guy was bloodthirsty for Christians. He murdered. We're not talking about, like, this isn't an allegory. This isn't like a, a cute, like, story that somebody wrote down. Wouldn't it be cool if the guy that did this, you know, supposedly murdered? He was a murderer. He was a killer. We, you and I are walking around trying to figure out how we can earn something that's already been paid for. And, and trying to talk ourselves out of the grace that God's given us and, 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 and going through all the religious crap, can I say that in church? Crap, that, that, that we go through in our minds where it's like, well, it's grace was sufficient for me to be saved, but now, you know, it's time I mature as a Christian. And I, now it's time I, you know, I do this, I can handle this on my own and all the stuff that we do and, and the form and the fashion and the regulation and the responsibilities and all the stuff that we think is what's going to please God and all that stuff that we allow ourselves to not enter into the fullness of the grace of God and, and the struggle that we have that's, in, that's, 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 that's literally torturing believers that are constantly being torn between fear and love, light and darkness, grace and condemnation and the law, and back and forth and back and forth, and we can't seem to convince ourselves, well, if that doesn't convince you, I don't know what will. God delivered the message of grace through a murderer. And you're disqualifying yourself from receiving it? Through a murderer. Through a murderer that may or may not have ever repented or ever come to his senses or ever done any of the other things that we make people do to make ourselves feel better. God literally had to knock his butt off a horse and encounter him on a road on his way to meet. I don't know about you, but if a bright light shows up, knocks me off a horse and changes my name and freaks me out and blinds me and all that kind of stuff, I don't know how much choice I had in that. You see, because, because every time I say God uses somebody, immediately our religious system says to me, what did they do? What did they sow to deserve that? Paul didn't sow anything. He was a murderer, and he was on his way to do it some more. And God encountered him with an undeserved honor, with an undeserved love. He encountered him with change when he least expected it or probably didn't even believe in it. And called him to something different. What did he sow? To be the very vehicle God delivers the most important message of the Bible through. How did he deserve it? He didn't. And neither do you and I. But he still walked in it. He still carried it. As a torch to every village, every city he went through. It was the same message. I'm the apostle of grace. I carry the grace of God with me. Okay, we're going to move on. It's all right. We're going to get there. All right? We can do it. So there's this mystery, this plan we're going to begin to unfold. To make plain to everyone the plan of the mystery regarding the uniting of believing Jews and Gentiles into one body, which until now was kept hidden through the ages in the mind of God who created all things. Now, 
if it was in the mind of God, that means from the very beginning, God's plan was grace, right? He had a plan all along. Then this mystery was unfolding throughout time. And they didn't understand it before, but through Christ, the revelation began to pour out upon his disciples, upon those that would come after him. Paul got this revelation and decided, I'm going to live my life to see the mystery of grace revealed to these churches and these places and these people. Oh, jam out. Come on now. Which until now is kept hidden through the ages in the mind of God who created all things. Verse 10. So now through the church, turn to your neighbor and say through the church. The multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects may now be made known, revealing the mystery on and I'm going to read this in a second. I want you to see this for a second. The multifaceted, the beauty, the complexity, the, 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 the indescribable, the, the invaluable, you can't even begin to put it in a box. Grace of God, that mystery has been revealed to the world and it's been revealed to the church and it is the church's primary duty to let the world know about the goodness and the grace of God. And I'm going to say a very bold statement, and I know I'm on Facebook Live, and if this offends you, bless you. We love you. Pastor Dan loves you. The whole church loves you. But that's okay. All right? This is what I want to tell you. If a church is not preaching the finished work of the cross, if the church is preaching a theology that is on the other side of the cross, predating the cross, and that's what they're putting people under, it's not a church. Do you hear me? The churches were put into existence. The idea of the church was put into existence so that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God may be known, revealing the mystery. What? The mystery of grace. If we're not revealing the mystery of grace, we're putting people in bondage. And it cannot be called the church of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a war that's always going on between fear and love, light and darkness, I've been preaching on this. There's a war that's going on. You cannot have both. You choose one or the other. You can't have a watered-down, middle-road version of it. There's no lukewarm in that. It's either light or dark. It's either fear or love. It's either, it's either grace or it's law and condemnation. You can't mix the two together. The Bible says it's not profitable. It cannot produce anything. It has no power to perfect. You can't have the two together. And if you're trying to make the two together and have church, I can't call you a church. I know that's uncomfortable, and I know someone's going to probably come to me and say, you know, you should choose different words. No, I'm choosing them on purpose, and I'm okay with it. You cannot be a church and not preach this message. You, in order to be called the church of Jesus Christ, you have to preach the message of the cross and what it did and accomplished in our life. And if you turn back from it, I'm sorry, you lose your credentials. I know. You're trying to get me to stop. I get it, all right? I'm telling you right now, you cannot be the church and, 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 and lose sight of this. You, it, is, it is the focus of everything. The revelation of the mystery of grace, which we're going to see in a moment what that is. The ultimate plan of grace. This in accordance with the terms of the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. That is, our faith gives us sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God through Christ. Bold and confident access. To what? To heaven. To life. To Christ himself. To a dad. 
all of, and you, the list goes on, all of the open, confident, bold access that we have to these things is available to you and I through Jesus. If you have received Jesus, you've received access to all this. Well, yeah, but I just don't deserve it. Join the club. You see, there's a contract and your name's not on it, so you can't violate it. See, the son came and, and he, he entered into a contract with his father. It took his blood. And that contract paid for your access, your bold and confident access to all that heaven has. And you can't violate it because your name's not on the contract. I'd love to see you walk into court and say, Your Honor, I'm in violation of this contract. And he looks at it and he says, I don't see your name on it. Trust me, I am. Dismissed. I don't see your name on it. Your name's not on it. Yeah, but how do I get access? Because he paid for it. Let me, let, me, let me back this up for a moment, okay? If my dad owned a hotel, <clears throat> really nice hotel, downtown, really nice, fancy, five-star. He owned it, 100%, no investors. He owns it. He's paid for it. He doesn't even owe a dime on it. He can do what he wants with it. He doesn't have investors to answer to. He doesn't, if he wants to burn it down, he'll burn it down. It's his. He can do whatever he wants with it. All right? And I call up to that hotel because I have some friends in town. I answer, they answer the phone. I say, hi. This is Dan. Dan who? My, Miner? Jim Miner's son? Yeah. Okay, what can I help you with? Is there any way? I have some friends that are coming in from California, and I just was wondering if there's any way you could open up possibly. I'll just maybe, it's just a discount. I'll, I'll pay full price. It's fine. I'll just, I'll just, never mind. Just, can I just book a room for them? I'll give you my credit card. That's what we do with our faith. You say, well, you, you, you didn't do anything. Your dad's the one that bought it. You, he called you on the phone to help paint. You told him you were out on the boat. <laughs> you, you haven't invested anything here. What gives you the right? My daddy gave me access. My daddy gave me access. And if you know anything about me, I'd call up there and I'd say, hey, it's Dan. <laughs> They'd say, Dan who? I was like, you don't know this voice by now? <laughs> oh, Dan Miner. I'm sorry, Mr. Miner. Listen, I have friends coming in. I want the presidential suite. I want the best for them coming in right now. Get it ready. Sir, there's somebody in there. Kick them out. <laughs> I just can't kick them out. Oh, yeah, you can't? You like your job? <laughs> Bold and confident access to heaven, to Jesus, to life, to our heavenly Father, bold and confident, undeserved access. Let's keep going here. What is not included is our access does not come through clean living. I'm going to mess with some people. That's all right. Consistency, faithfulness, obedience. Oh, Pastor Dan, are you saying that we shouldn't be obedient? or we shouldn't live righteous, or we are faithful, or we shouldn't be consistent, or we shouldn't have clean living? Is that what you're saying to me? No, I think you know what I'm saying. But if you don't, I'm going to make it very clear to you. 
These things don't get you access to the promises of God. These things don't get you access to heaven. These things don't get access, give you access to life. Jesus gives you access. And I want to put it to you this way. The reason you don't have to perform, listen to me, the reason you don't have to perform is because we receive the benefits of the perfect performance of Jesus Christ. It ain't based on your performance. Because if it was, if, 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 let's back this up for a minute. If we said to ourselves, well, we're going to do an account of you. How clean have you been living? I'll give you 45 out of 100. Consistent? 10 out of 100. Faithful? 90? Too high. Obedience? If these things were what made you have access to God, y'all, we wouldn't even know where the door was. We'd come up the street, they'd call the police. I think he's going to try to get in. The only thing he'd get us access to is jail or child support or whatever. If this was, if this was what they were, they were factoring into the equation, right? You know what I'm talking about. You ever been in a store you know you don't belong in? Come on. I've been going into Saks Fifth Avenue lately. Acting like I own the place. And then I see them $500 shoes, and I'm like, Heavenly Father. I've been going to Saks Fifth Avenue. Like, I didn't buy this there, so don't worry. I've been going to Saks Fifth Avenue and not buying anything. But I've been just testing out, seeing if I, can, if I can put off the vibe. You know what I mean? This hasn't worked very well yet. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though? That's, that's, the way, that's the way for centuries the church has functioned. The church has functioned as this begging manipulating, conniving, hopefully God will one day, whatever we're looking for him to do. And he's saying, you have bold and confident access to all that I have through my son. And if you received him, you've received access. Let's keep reading. We're going to get through this. So I ask you to not lose heart at my sufferings on your behalf, for they are your glory and honor. For this reason, grasping the, let's all get it. Grasping the greatness of this plan. Again, this plan. Grace had a plan. We're going to show it to you. By which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ. I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God, the first and ultimate Father. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power. Through his spirit in your inner self. Indwelling with your innermost being and personality. Now this sounds really far out, right? To be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. That's a lot of words, and every one of you in this room is probably going, what does that look like, right? Well, he answers you in the next verse, and I'm going to show you. This spiritual power, this indwelling of the fullness of who God is, the mystery of grace, the plan of grace, everything Paul is setting up here, everything that from the beginning of time this mystery of grace, this thread that has run throughout history, that in this moment, Paul is beginning to reveal as this, this apostle of grace, this man that carries a revelation, he's beginning to reveal to us what grace's plan was all along. What he's been communicating through grace to humanity forevermore. And it's this. And you may, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints the width, the length, and the height, and the depth of his love 
fully experiencing that amazing and endless love. The plan of grace all along was that that you would have an experience, not just the knowledge of, but that you would taste and see that God's love is good. That you would experience, that you would know what it feels like, that you would begin to comprehend the incomprehensible width and breadth and, and depth of his love, that you would be deeply rooted in love, that what I said a week ago uh, through that scripture in Romans, that love fully satisfies and it's the only law you need. It is the only revelation you need to walk from. And all that we've been striving for and trying to become and trying to perform through, all of that stuff actually becomes the byproduct of a relationship that is deeply rooted in an understanding of God's love for you and I. I know it's so simple. I know. Why do I keep coming back to the same topics? Because everything, I used to, I used to, I've been saying everything flows from here. And I was saying, you know, the, the, we have to start from here. And this is, you know, the finish line is our starting gate and all that. I'm going to change that up. Everything that we ever need to know is here. This is the beginning. It's the journey. It's the ending. We're going to start understanding his love, understand it some more along the way, and we'll end this life knowing God's love. It's it. It's the beginning. It's the end. It's the middle. It's everything that grace came to reveal. It is the ultimate plan. It's God's love for humanity. And this is the question God's asked me over and over and over and over again. Will we as a church stand up and begin to declare God's goodness and love for humanity, for the world around us? Will we invest our faith in the good news? Will we live our lives expressing that he is good all the time and his love has come to rescue the darkest and the, and the most brokenhearted and the hopeless and the people groups we've shoved to the side. Will we declare boldly and confidently that through Christ you have access to everything that you have? Will we finally say you don't have to perform because Jesus Christ had the perfect performance on the cross? Will we finally come to the place where we were boldly without fear or worry of somebody criticizing us or saying something about us? Say, God loves you. God loves you and everything else is a lie. Will we finally get there? I'm tired. <laughs> Check this out. It continues. That you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Do you hear me, guys? This is what I've been saying. It's not just about the knowledge of it. It's the experience of it. That's why sometimes you have a conversation with somebody that hasn't experienced it, and you want to go like this. <laughs> Beat your head. It's like, what don't you get? Because they have to experience it. Stop arguing with people. I've been guilty of it. People post stuff on Facebook and my fingers just come to life. I'm like, this is the most moronic thing I've ever seen in my life. Right? It's so damaging. But it doesn't get anywhere. Because you can argue and type and collect your mouse button and scream at your wife and say, can you believe this? And go like this. All you want, they have to experience it. So if we took our time and energy, instead of arguing with people and trying to fix their minds, and we invited them into an encounter with their heart, what would happen? So that's fine. You know what? You're totally right. I'm wrong. Come experience something. Hey, we don't have to argue about that. Sure, yeah, yeah you're, you're a great theologian. Excellent point. Come experience something. 
Because when you taste it and you experience it, and the mystery of grace is revealed with the understanding of how big and wide and deep God's love is, everything begins to change. The world around you, the colors, everything happens. Your heart begins to beat, and you realize it was there all along. We've been writing a song that hopefully we're going to do soon. It's called All Along. And the, the chorus says, my heart breathes you in. My heart sings your song. My heart beats with the sound that you've been there all along. And, and it's an expression of what we've been learning. It's an expression of what we've been understanding. Because, because if we realize that all along, he was waiting there for us to experience him. To stop talking ourselves out of it and actually jump in and get wet in that river. Stop sitting on the sidelines trying to figure it all out. If we realized that he'd been there all along, a lot of us would have turned a lot quicker. Amen. Jumped in a lot sooner. It's our job to communicate and invite people into that opportunity. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God. So you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives completely filled and flooded with God himself. Everything we have desired in our faith walk, the fullness of God being flooded with all that he is and all that he has over our lives and for our lives comes through the great plan of grace, which is the knowledge of how great his love is. End of story, period. Nothing else can take this and shake it off the foundation. It's, it's the beginning, it's the middle, it's the end. God has always desired relationship and connection and love with humanity. And religion and governments and culture have done everything we can to convince the world otherwise. But there is there is a revolution going on. There is an army that is saying yes and rising up that's not afraid to declare the goodness and the love of God and reveal, like Paul did, the mystery of God's grace and plan since the very beginning. There's an army. There is a revolution. There is a people who have had enough. I'm looking at some of them. I'm looking at some of them. Man, when we get this together, and I believe we are, and we start sharing this with the world around us, it's going to be like, like flies at a country picnic. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to be able to get rid of them because people are desperate to know that God loves them. People are desperate for freedom. People are desperate for relationship, and it's been there all along. We just got to take the door and show them it's open. Tell them they can boldly and confidently access it. I'm done preaching. I don't want to be done, but I'm done. I'll save the rest for another time. <laughs>